0: Welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we bring truth and shed light across the brand, identity, and communications industry. I'm Rebecca Johnson, founder and CEO of Numerical, and I'll be co-hosting today's session with Anis Jaffer, Chief Product Officer at Numerical. Anis, it's great to get the two of us back together again for season two, Kickoff. It's been a while.
1: Yes, it's great to be back. We, were, uh, we closed off at the end of November, so it's uh, good to have the break um, and be back on the podcast.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. You know, I thought when we took a break, maybe everything else would take a break, but that didn't happen. Um, so I know we're going to kind of cover all the activities that occurred between November and today, but one of those really fun activities, speaking of kickoffs, was the Super Bowl. Did you watch the Super Bowl, Anise? <laughs> Uh
1: No, I did not. Did... For probably for the first time in many many years, um, I did not uh, catch. I did see the beginning of the game, but I didn't uh, watch it through. Uh, I had a. I mean, I wanted the Bengals to win. I wanted Joe Burrow to win, but
0: that's my boy. Yeah. Look, we we were we were <laughs> stacking the LSU uh, players on both sides, so it, it broke my heart when OBJ went down. That was not good. But, yeah, Joe, I really wanted him to get that win. But I, I was happy either. It was just good to see some different, you know, teams, you know, fighting for, for that, uh, you know, title. So, But to me, like, one of the highlights, and I think that goes for a lot, was the um, halftime show. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like, that's my jam. That's my jam. That brought me back to high school. My only disappointment was I was expecting a hologram of Tupac and what I really wanted to see was also Biggie. <laughs> <I'm scared laughs> yeah. Then it would have been awesome. But, you know, teenagers today, all that music's coming back. So I was able to mm-hmm. at least connect with the teens because they're like, that's some cool music. I'm like, that's my music right there. And then I really shock them when I start rapping. So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we could say that for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we dive in? Um, we've really got to uh, cover a lot Um just to catch everybody up on what's occurred. So in our last season, one thing that's going to be different is, you know, we talked a lot about stir-shaken, and that was relevant. I mean, that really was the hot topic for 2021. Uh, We talked about the implementation, the robocall mitigation plan, and started moving over into the cross-border communications. So for season two of the Tuesday Talks, We're going to broaden the show just a little bit and expand beyond the traditional telecom as being like the main topic that we focus on. And we're going to add some additional themes around brand identity and as it applies to communications, not just voice. So a little bit of a shift, but I feel like we started to lay the foundation, at least the industry did on the telecom side, for us to be able to get to this type of topic on the brand identity. And just to kind of go along with, uh, you know, of course, we came up with this idea, and then we're like, maybe we should poll people. (laughs) It's not, the world isn't always the way that Rebecca and Anise see the world. So in a recent poll on LinkedIn, uh, we asked our Tuesday Talk viewers what they believed the biggest telecom achievement was for 2021. And uh, no surprise, stir Shaken implementation at 33%. You know, 17%, I'm not sure. So, you know what? You should probably be watching Tuesday Talk so you can stay informed. But look at that. You know, 50% was the rollout of branded calling. And we say rollout because it was was just kind of getting established in with the the carriers, getting a little comfortable with this concept. Um, So, I think it makes sense, you know, that we're going to move on to the branded calling. Uh, My only like, aha moment is you might scratch your head and go, why didn't anybody vote for the FCC robocall mitigation? And I think the problem is, is that we titled this Achievement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of activity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was a lot involved. Um, in fact, um, we're going to go into some statistics around that later, but I don't know if people would chop it up to Achievement um, in the telecom industry. So Anise, what are, what are your thoughts on kind of the results of that poll as well?
1: No, I was, um, I, I was intrigued in the sense that uh, branded calling I thought would be more of a 2022 uh, activities, but it's good to already see um, a number of enterprises adopting that in 2021. Uh, we saw that happening in the second half of last year. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, stress Shaken implementation is more uh, applicable on the um, service provider side. So that's, that, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, 2022, I think, is going to be more on branded calling, and, and I, it's a reflection of that in this poll as well. Yeah.
0: I also think it's, it's awareness uh, in the industry and in the market that enterprises can have some control over their identity. And once they're aware that they can do that, uh, I, you know, the next question they ask is, how? You know, how can I do this? And, and where do I go to uh, obtain this control? I think what's going to be interesting is, you know, how does this change trust and the consumer's trust of the provider, the carrier provider that they're using to deliver this branded information and the trust of the information that's coming to them that it is in fact who that entity says that they are. I think we're going to do a lot of talk around trust uh, for 2022 as well because I just think it goes hand in hand. I said it before, and I'll probably say it a lot this year, is that branded calling is one of the scariest things that we can implement because if we don't do it right, and we means everyone that's involved in delivering communications and getting that originating call down to the consumer. There's a lot of players involved. If we don't do this right and protect that channel to ensure that truly trusted entities are delivering communications, then the whole network and infrastructure become suspect by consumers so mm-hmm. this is not something to rush out you know from the industry perspective and just immediately rush out and do there's some steps that we have to take uh but the adoption is giving us opportunities as an industry to learn what works what doesn't work and how do we improve this and that's what's been positive positive. and i think our listeners are going to want to hear more about that as we go forward
1: yeah, absolutely. On the branded calling, as you said, um, it's important that we get the trust in place right from the beginning. Um, we we do not want to have another CNAM situation, right, where it's uh, free f- for everybody to whatever put whatever name, and that's why we ended up um, in you know in the place where that where we are now. Um, yeah, so it's it's absolutely critical that we get the identity part nailed uh, before branded calling gets more widely adopted.
0: So that's definitely one thing. I'm all about seeing the 90s music coming back, but I do not want 90s technology coming back. (laughs) Please, let's not do that. Um, We can move beyond databases. (laughs) So uh, before we dive deeper into brand identity, uh, let's pause real quick and catch up on the activities that have happened between our last episode, November 16th, up until, honestly, uh, yesterday. Uh, So... Looking at the FCC, they didn't take a break. So we had comments and reply comments that were filed for the 4th and 5th, further notice for proposed rulemaking, which the 4th and 5th kind of centered around the gateway provider requirements uh, for the robocall mitigation. We did a Tuesday talk on this last season with Mitch Roth of the ECAC, and we have not seen any other activities from the FCC thus far. Um, but definitely, we'll continue to watch. Um, and when rules are proposed, we will do another update. Another hot topic um, that we're going to be covering in Tuesday Talks this season uh, is around the sixth uh, further notice for proposed rulemaking, which is related to error codes 607 and 608, which is kind of interesting that. We're talking about error codes. (laughs) Um, So yet again, we find the FCC stepping over into this standard, which can wreak havoc for carriers and enterprises. And this is something we will absolutely be tracking. And I expect we will have some experts to do some myth busting. We're going to have to shed some light on the truth. But being that this is standards related, um, there is already in preparation for any rulings that come down, uh, the Addis and I has established a subgroup that are focused on the unwanted and rejected call blocking path forward. And that's what the 608 and the 607 represent. And, and we're, gonna, we're gonna go into a little bit more details of that. Um, but as a participant, numerical is a participant, I can tell you that there are far more questions then there are answers. <laughs> so um, you know, I just wonder—you know—could this actually be a distraction uh, from a more effective activity to stop illegal robocalls? It's starting to feel like it's just another exercise that the carriers, you know, have to go through, and and we're not really asking the question: Is this really achieving what the end, you know, goal is to achieve? So. We'll see. I mean, the smartest people to answer this problem are working on it. Um, and I hope that the industry listens <laughs> to what they have to say. But switching gears from the FCC over to the FTC, they made a bold statement to VoIP providers on none other than Valentine's Day, February 14th. And that statement is turn over information for rubble call investigations or prepare to be sued in federal court. Well, that's one way to say be mine, definitely not feeling (laughs) the love from the FTC to the VoIP providers. This does set the tone though for future interactions and expectations from VoIP providers who receive notices. So we are definitely going to dive into that one. You've got the FCC from the rulemaking side and the FTC from the enforcement side really focusing on the VoIP providers gateway providers for 2022. I do believe that's on their list. So, we'll pay attention to that. Um, moving over uh and to other things that we're tracking, you know, numerical just released our star shaken implementation report and there's over 7,000 voice server voice service providers that are now registered in the star implementation database. And Anise, I know that you had some stats that you wanted to share with our listeners.
1: Yeah, we did a deep dive into uh, the database, um, looked at the registered entities. Uh, at s- around 7,000 have registered, as I said. Uh, out of that, about 1,800 have declared that they have fully implemented stress shaken. Um, around 1,300 have said, partial implementation. Uh, what we also found out was most of the uh, voice service providers who have implemented are issuing an attestation flag of A if they have a very direct relationship with clients, right? Um, if if the provider knows their direct client and they know that the calls are being originated by a SIP server and an IP address that they, that they can't recognize, then they are issuing A, everything else is C, or sometimes be at this point. That's how um, currently the uh, StorShaken implementation has been um, uh, put out into the into the wild. Now, roughly based on numbers, if it is 1800 and 1300, so that's about 3000 and odd. So more than half are still trying to figure this out. So that's that's an ongoing thing. Oh, now on the terminating side, calls are getting delivered. So the um, the you know the fear that calls are not going to get delivered that's we've we've talked about this before in our Tuesday uh, talk podcast uh, calls are not going to get dropped it will still get delivered now analytics are continuing to perform whatever they were doing before so they're still blocking and labeling calls so that's an ongoing thing uh, there was there was one instance or a few instances towards the end of last year where we are hearing from enterprises that some of their calls were getting labeled more than usual and some of them are also getting blocked so that's something that we heard Um, obviously for our clients we are working with them and the carriers to to get that sorted but um, that's something that we have heard Um, then the 607 608 codes um, as you mentioned the uh, fourth and fifth uh, docs uh, they had uh, suggested that this needs to be implemented by the FCC, uh, had suggested that carriers need to implement, and there was a deadline. Uh, however, um, most of them are are not implementing it at this point. Uh, there are some enterprises who have said that it, this could be a reason why their calls are getting dropped, but we're not sure for sh- at this point. So there's more to come on that.
0: Yeah, there's still, the standards group is still trying to write the standard for how and when to use 607 and 608. And there's there's definitely a lot more thought and consideration. And, and something I don't think we've really had as a topic in this whole blocking of robocall initiatives that includes like everything under the sun from search and analytics to databases and whatnot is mm-hmm. privacy. And now we're asking questions of privacy for when a consumer marks a call right. unwanted or blocked. Um, I think it's going to have to go beyond just the standards group for us as an industry to really define you know, what you know, how do we leverage these error codes, who is notified of these error codes? what information should be going back, and what information should not be going back. Who's the beneficiary of this information and what actions and activities and decisions do they make off of this? We so many more questions and we have answers on it. But I, I think it would be helpful. Um, Anise, you know, we live in this world, so we're gonna say 607, 608, and we know all the definitions of what that means. So for the benefit of the audience, can you just kind of give a real high level of um, 607,
1: 608, yeah, and so, 603. Yeah, that's, that's good. So we can go through that. So 607, 608, 603, all these are error codes, uh, SIP response error codes that were defined by IETF. So the IETF standards body put out these um, error codes that uh, when a SIP invite is received by a terminating entity, uh, how do they respond back so that the originating entity would know what uh, what's going on with that particular session or, or a call in this case. Uh, now, when the FCC proposed the uh, rulemaking, uh, their purpose or intention was to provide notification that's meaningful to the caller about what happens to a call when the call is not getting terminated. Uh, and there is also a delicate balance of um, how much information needs to be provided back to the caller uh, considering what kind of, um, you know, how much privacy and uh, security considerations that need to go into it. So there are two quotes that were Proposed one is 607, which is basically marked as unwanted by the uh, receiving party or the called party. So, as a subscriber, if I'm receiving a call, if I block it for whatever reason, right? Which if, if I if I tag it as unwanted, that information can go back all the way to the caller. So that's 607. Now, 608 is uh, blocked by the analytics on the terminating side. So, for whatever reason, if the call gets blocked. When uh, by the terminating analytics, then a 608 error code can can um, let the caller know that that particular call did not terminate uh, because the call was blocked by the network or the analytics on the network. So those are the two error codes that have been uh, proposed or are pretty much mandated at this point on the uh, based on the sixth uh, NPRM. Now there is a debate about... Um, is it useful is it adding any additional details there are some technical challenges that have been um, highlighted as well uh, one of the main things that has come up is this requires like implementing 607 and 608 uh, it requires uh, additional encryption and j card which is which goes on the sip header so there are some uh, additional work there's some additional work that needs to be done by the um, by the, on the on the network nodes that's implementing and handling this error code, so that's one challenge. The other challenge is what happens to the intermediate TDM networks, because um, as we, you know, we, while we think that SIP calls are the only calls that are being placed, it, they they get routed through TDM networks, and the codes have to be translated uh, between the SIP codes and the TDM uh, ISIP codes, and and what actually gets delivered back to the originating network. Uh, so that that is an issue there. And finally, the privacy con- concerns on 607, right? So how much information do you want to uh, give back to the originating caller if the call was actually blocked by the su- subscriber, right? So that's that's also there. So given all this, um, there have been reports that uh, this 607, 608 error codes have been implemented by some um, service providers, but it's definitely not widespread. There, are, there you know, there are reports being filed back to the FCC, uh, arguing for and against uh, the, um, this proposal. And IPNNA has, as you said, is working on a potential solution um, or updating the standards. Um, so that's a working group and um, taking that up as a work in progress, the result of which could give us direction on how this is going to be implemented.
0: Yeah, the U.S. Telecom has filed a petition for reconsideration and clarification around these codes. Um, You know, there are challenges on when uh, to mark something as the uh, unwanted by the called party, uh, which is 607, and that's where the consumer has made a decision. Uh, Do we really want to share back? Uh, that the consumer made that choice and this this goes for not only if it's an enterprise that's delivering mass amount of calls or if it's an individual calling somebody um do we report back that your call has been blocked or unwanted we don't do that today um you kind of get the hint when your message stays green on an apple device right or um you know the number's been blocked Um, it'll otherwise just divert to voicemail, um, as a way that, that might be treating it. Um, also on the analytics side, you know, is, who are we helping and, and how informative is it if the decision is made by the analytics to do the blocking? So you have a 608. And, and so when you take, when you look at fourth, fifth, and sixth notice proposed rulemaking, And you allow for the gateway providers who are told they must implement analytics now you've got someone along the call path who's implementing analytics does their analytics make a decision to block the call and therefore it's going to be the 608 that gets delivered back to the originating carrier whoever it is to deliver it back down to the enterprise and then we go who made this decision which analytics was being used and how do i remediate this and how do i uh, get this unblocked because it was a decision by the analytics, not necessarily the consumer. I don't think we can get into an area where we can say we want the consumer to be unblocked. I think if a consumer says, don't call me and they block it, they block it. Just leave it at that. But I think things get a little more confusing on the 60A. And then we have this, you know, we talk about the trace back. This is going to be the trace forward where the enterprise go, who's the one that's blocking my messaging? Because I have no idea. Um, so I, I think it, it adds some confusion and I still have to ask myself, what are we achieving (laughs) with this? Yeah. Like, how is this blocking illegal robocalls? I don't, don't know that it is. If the exact same analytics that we're using on the terminating side are now going to be used to deliver this this error code I, well, I, I don't the
1: you know the, uh, know what we're the reason about. or the intent the was guys, to provide that information back to legal or legitimate enterprises so that they can do something with it for example if the call gets blocked because of a 608 then they know that it's network blocked and for whatever reason they can they can um, not use that number or the originating number and or use a different number now that could be if if the if the originating uh, enterprise is a is a, a good actor then it is help you know it will help but the same um, scenario could work against the whole thing if there is a bad actor and then they can rotate numbers so still a lot of questions um, but there are more questions than answers with this uh, with the with the current proposal um, so 603 is the existing error code. Uh, there, is, there is a valid argument to expand that rather than introducing new codes. Um, so that's, um, that's one of the arguments uh, for not going down this path. So more to come on this, but it's, uh, it's an evolving situation.
0: So one area that we uh, also covered uh, towards the end of season one of last year was our good friends to the north of us, Canada. And there has been some activities uh, from the CRTC with regards to allowing carriers to implement analytics. So (laughs) we know how this story goes. Um, Yes, I definitely think that Uh, We are going to see the same challenges for enterprises in Canada uh, with regards to calls being labeled fraud or spam by an analytics. And I think the analytics are occurring more at the carrier level. They're making the decisions on how that will be um, determined and established. But remediation is definitely going to be a challenge for enterprises. And Anise, I know you've got some thoughts
1: yeah, so um, we know that um, CRTC has is allowing carriers to implement the analytics um, for terminating. Uh, not sure uh, where they are and how it's going to get implemented. Uh, this is something that we have to uh, get some uh, featured guests, I think, to come in and weigh in um, on this on this particular topic.
0: So, you know, as we kind of close to the end here, I want to have a little bit of time to cover the topics that we're going to be looking at uh, for this season. As we've just stated, uh, we are going to cover branded calls and there will be a current state for AT&T, T-Mobile and Verizon. And we can't forget our good old friends over there at Google uh, and the activities that they are doing. So we'll keep everybody up to date on that. Um, hoping to have some really nice guests uh, from each of those providers. Um, and just on that note, too, as an update, January 18th, T Mobile announced that they partnered with CTIA to implement branded caller IDE best practices. And kind of what I take from this is that each carrier, although they are on board with the branded calling, uh, they're probably going to set some of their own standards of how this works within their environment. So we'll definitely be focused on that and bringing that, um, you know, news to you. As, as Anise mentioned, we're going to cover the SIP error codes um, and uh, Canada and beyond because we know that there's some other activities that are going on in other countries. But another area that's going to get a lot of attention, especially since we are less than 15 days away, is the 10DLC um, uh, throttling registration. I don't know. It's a little bit of a hot mess, uh, from what we are hearing from enterprises. Apparently, um, whether you registered or didn't register, uh, come March 1st of 2022, there will be some throttling that will occur to the messages delivered into the T-Mobile and the AT&T network. We do not see that Verizon is enforcing anything yet, but this is very concerning um it really gets me upset uh whenever I hear that businesses legal valid compliant consented messaging is being blocked or throttled by the carriers this is this is this is not good um so there are some challenges with the deployment of 10 dlc um and let me make the point that march 1st is a goal post it is a goal post that has moved for the last couple of years so we'll see if that goal post stays put for march 1st or if it yet again gets moved um, but it's definitely something that we're going to focus on and hopefully get some streamlined processes around this yeah for the sake of the enterprise
1: I, th- I think so i think this is going to be a big topic for us uh, in addition to branded calling uh, the 10 dlc and messaging side of things um, as we are hearing, um, March first is supposed to be the deadline for AT and T and T-Mobile to implement any unregistered campaign to get throttled. But we are hearing even before that that you know some somehow even the registered campaigns are getting throttled. So that's something that's really uh, something to be aware of. We should uh, we should definitely spend time on it um, this season.
0: So we'd like to thank all of you for joining us today for our first episode back of Tuesday Talks this year. We're looking forward to another great season together. We appreciate you all for your support and participation along the way. And we hope to see you all in the next session on Tuesday, March 1st. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Tuesday Talks, your source of truth in the communications industry. Coming up next time, we'll be recapping some of the regulatory activities over the past four months that are shaping the communications industry today with commentary from the Enterprise Communications Advocacy Coalition. Make sure you're registered to watch it live on March 1st and field your questions directly to our experts. We hope to see you there.